0: Let me pray for us and get us started, and we'll jump into 1 Peter. Father, we are, are humbled the fact that you would choose to speak to us through your word. The God of the universe, who doesn't need us, chooses to speak to us and then use us. Father, thank you for uh, Peter and uh, his faithfulness in recording through the Holy Spirit, what you want to say to us uh, regarding our salvation, our inheritance, and how we respond to our salvation and our inheritance. Uh, Help us to hear, to understand, and to look for ways this week to apply what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, what was the main theme of last week's lesson? 1 Peter one one to twelve. Main theme is in chapter in verse four. The inheritance. What is our inheritance? Okay. Well, just work our way through this. So you say it's Christ. anybody want to add to that? eternal life, okay? Our salvation, would you agree with that? Our salvation is our inheritance, okay? So the author, um, when we get to verse 13, you've heard me say this before, um, when you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason, right? Um, So you get to verse 13, therefore, so that means we're making a necessary shift and we're going to talk about that. Um, but the first question in the book is, it's funny the way they ask It's actually about four questions in this, in this first question. And I think it's important for us to work through this because I think it's going to help frame your mind for where we're going. So the question is, when you have been, when have you, and I'm going to read the whole thing and then I'm going to stop, come back and take the piece of the time. When have you been more gripped? When have you been most gripped by the reality of eternity? And the importance of living a holy life. What were the circumstances that prompted this seriousness about spiritual matters? So let's take the first part, because I think there are two different pieces to the first part of this question. The first part is, when have you been most gripped by the reality of eternity? At the moment of salvation. Okay. Say it again. When I first okay. I think some people are of God. Mm. Okay, the, for us, it's the starting moment, right? That, that first conviction of sin, our understanding mm-hmm. of the gospel, we start to get an understanding of, of eternity. But then that plays itself out in the moments of our lives, right? Um, mother dying, father dying, sister, brother dying, grandparent passing away, close associate at work passing away, somebody you've been really tight with. You start to see eternity very differently than you did before. Or maybe it's not that you're seeing it differently, but you're seeing it more clearly. So sometimes it's the death of a loved one that, that, pulls that into focus for us here's the next part of that question What's when have you uh, been most gripped by the reality of the importance of living a holy life when you read God's word okay. so I'm, I'm going I'm to push back on that So how often is that every week? Please don't answer that. Other things that, that drive home to you the importance of living a holy life. Think the practical side of things. The daily life side of things. What When things happen, what things that happen cause you to focus on the importance of a holy life me it's when I fail mm. and, uh, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict and, and which is one of the great things about the Holy Spirit is, is it's there to bring you back and guide you back but for me it's it's most apparent when I've had a really bad week and I've done things that I know I shouldn't do and I haven't done lots of things I know I should do and, and it just as a believer that your life begins to not be as fun. And get it gets to be hard when you do that and when you, when you start to pull away from god and and brings bring you back <clears throat> pulls together both pieces right Mm -hmm. bringing eternity into focus how am I living Um, what about just because this is the most recent one in my mind but you you can probably look back through the last 20 years and name more than one name Um, Josh Harris Robbie Zacharias you see somebody who Is high profile that has had a lot of respect in the Christian community crash and burn. Are you doing this? Or are you going, but for the grace of God, go I. Am I living that life? Am I hiding that? May not be that serious yet. But am I hiding that stuff too? Do you, do you see the importance of a holy life? And I think that's kind of what Peter's pushing us towards. So let, let's read through 1 Peter 1.13 to 2.10. And then we'll come back and we'll kind of pull it apart a little bit like we did last time. Verse 13, Therefore, gird your, your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address his father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but has appeared in these last times. For the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord and coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a, royal, a, royal, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For one, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So there, I mentioned the word therefore at uh, verse 13. We talked about the inheritance. That's the salvation that's talked about in the first 12 verses. Being our, our salvation is our inheritance. So what's your response? Because there's a demanded response for the salvation that you've been given. So let's look at that. Verse 13. Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope, fix your hope. The first response you should have is hope. And remember last week, the hope was not random. I hope I win a million dollars, right? The hope is what? It's a secure, focused hope on something that you know is going to happen. Okay? So we're fix our hope. That's the first part. Now, the, the first question that he gives uh, after the passage in the reading, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter urges his readers to live holy lives. What reasons does he give? So the first thing that is expected from you after your salvation is hope. The second thing is to what? What? Obedience. Obedience. To be holy, right? In your holiness comes obedience. Okay, so you're to have hope first. Second, you're to be holy. Now, what's the result of the holiness? Or or why are you supposed to be holy? Let's put it that way. Why are you supposed to be holy? Mm, Right back to what it says, right? Be holy because... Say it. Be holy because I am holy. I am holy. God says, I am holy, therefore you be holy. Now, I'm not going to walk through these list of verses that he lists here. Verses to consider. Uh, Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. Leviticus 18, 30. Leviticus 19, 2. Guess what all three of those say? Be, be holy because I'm holy. Um, Matthew 5, 48 takes a new spin to that. Be perfect, therefore, because I am perfect. Now, don't get caught up into world the world's version of what perfectness is. Okay? Because the Greek words for perfect means mature, complete. Your holiness is a complete holiness. Okay? And then Ephesians 5 1. It says what? Did anybody read it? We're to be imitators of. Yes, imitators of Christ, imitators of God. Well, he said in the first three to be holy because I am holy, to be perfect because I am perfect. So who are we supposed to imitate? OK, so you're, you're kind of getting the point, right? So in your holiness, your holiness is for one reason. It's because God told you to be holy. In question two, he says, this passage echoes the frequent New Testament command that believers must love one another. In verse 22, he says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. What does that mean? remember our discussion on the gentle and lowly God's grace and mercy is abundant it's overflowing his love for us is overflowing right so if you're loving God with all your heart soul and mind and strength that love is overflowing towards God is going to overflow to your neighbor so let me make this practical for you how's that going in home group We meet one day a week for two hours if we have Sunday school that week. You get in a home group two days a month. We don't go to a church that has Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, um, community outreach on Thursday, prayer meeting on Tuesday. You don't have that. And we said at the beginning that Grace was going to be a church that disciple, the, where discipleship was the norm. Well, you can't exactly be discipling each other if you're not together. Right? And we have a limited number amount of time together, so this is my question to you. And, and you're, you're, you're stepping close to Medlin now. Yeah, I know. I get it. But sometimes we need to hear these things. What's your view of home group? Is it something else to do? Or are you fervently loving the people in your home group? I don't go to home group for me. Okay, this conversation we had at the Cheryl's house a couple of weeks ago. We were talking, I was talking with Caleb and we were talking about how I love to be around people. And if you know me, that's not true. I don't want to be around people. I am an introvert. No, people, you're not an introvert. I'm what's called an outgoing introvert. When I'm in a group, I do well. I can keep my own, but I prefer my time by myself so I can recharge. Is that an excuse for me not to go to home group? Because personally, I have a hundred other things I can do with that hour and a half of my life. Well, you know. Let me be honest here. There's, there's one or two folks in that home group that just kind of drive me crazy, and I really don't want to be. Are you fervently loving them? Are you going to home group because you want to love on the people in your home group? Are you going because that's the thing I had to check off this week because it happened this week and not last week? I'm not just speaking to you guys. Because Pam and I will sit on the couch some days and go, I don't want to go. Don't want to go. I'm being honest, folks. This is who I am. There are days I just don't want to. It's like Jeff said. You get to to Saturday and Sunday and you go. This is not a good week for me. But the great thing is, by going. I'm, even if that attitude, we're always encouraged when we come home. But you have to go with the mindset of fervently loving one another. I'm not going for me. I'm going for you. And you're not going for me. You're, you're not going for you. You're going for me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. just the difference between selfless love and selfish love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Christ say that being a believer was gonna be easy? Be easier to not be. You know, live my life, leave everybody else alone, do what I want. Sometimes it's hard. But what are we called to? Let's look at that. Can I say something? Sure. Also he says if I hate female This is also the same type repetition? hmm I know that's like not the same as our own trials, like our own daily things coming mm-hmm. out from the world in, but I just thought that that's interesting. And we have to keep that in mind. There's always a balance in everything in the in in, in God's word, right? There's never an extreme one way or the other. There's always a balance, and sometimes that balance requires a tension that we can't explain. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to chapter two because I think this is where part of part of this part, this particular conversation, is so important. Because I'm going to jump to to chapter two. Um, somebody read verse five for me again. So what are we? Rocks. Not just rocks. Living rocks. Living rocks, right? Living stones. And what's the purpose of the living stones? To be put together into a house. We are a spiritual house, right? So all of us in here right now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... We are all stones in the same house. I, I don't know the building ability of most of you, but I, I wish that Justin was sitting here. Because I would love to say to him, if you're building with stone and that stone doesn't fit, what do you have to do to it? You have to shape it to make it fit where you want it. And some of us need to be shaped so we fit where God wants us. And that's part of that, that's part of that difficulty with people. That, that knocking those two stones together knocks off those corners so they'll fit together. You have to accept that as part of who we are as the spiritual house that God has built Uh, Look at verse 12. Is it 12? No, sorry. Verse 9 and 10. I need somebody to read 9 and 10. We as Americans have had a blessing and a curse. Independence. Rah, rah, right? But in that strive for independence, the individual has become God. And it's in the church. Give me one example in those two verses of the me, the my, or the I. I, I'm not just pointing fingers at you folks because I struggle with this every day. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about how I want to do this. It's about what I expect of other people having this struggle this morning. My expectations of others were smashed into little bitty pieces this morning. And it's a reminder that it's not about what I want. It's about what God wants to do. We're a, we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may, pro, you plural, may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a body, folks. That. And, and he jumps to um, John chapter 15 and he talks about being a vine Christ being the vine and that we are, we are part of the vine and, and we're going to get to that in a second but all the different analogies that are used in scripture we are the body we are a holy priesthood we, we are a chosen nation uh, we are uh, the body of Christ all of these pieces think about it uh, Ron's the hand and I'm the foot Without me, he ain't going nowhere. Without him, I'm not going to put on my shoe and be protected from the world around me. Can we make it that, that crude to get the point across? As much as I may be uncomfortable with somebody in my home group or sitting in the row in front of me in church, I need them. And they need you because as the body, the body is incomplete when one piece is missing. I want to jump to John 15 because he says in chapter four, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 of First Peter, coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, the choice and precious in the sight of God. Um, he, he, this idea of we are part of, we are part of the house. He is the cornerstone. We are part of the house. We are so for us to be part of the house, that stone has to abide with the cornerstone. We're going to go to John chapter 15 because here we go into Jesus' talk about our abiding with him. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Remember the stones knocking those corners off so we fit together? That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, for the next ten verses, I want you to count how many times he uses the word abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it should be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me and I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How many abides did he say? What does "abide" mean? Hmm? Be with, remain. Be with, remain. If you have an abode, what is it? It's It's your home. It's where you spend most of the time in your life. Is in your abode, and we're called to abide in Christ. Now you're saying uh, what you've said so far is difficult because I know those people and I know myself and I don't want to deal with people. And it's, 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 but what's it say? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Do you ask God to give you a fervent love for those that are sitting around you? No. Is it because you're not abiding in him? This is difficult, folks. I want to abide, but no, it's abide. This is the other thing. Um, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and it dries up. Do you have those days and those months and those years where you feel dry? Is it because you're not abiding? You are having a discussion this morning about biblical counselors and and psychology and that stuff. One of the big things about biblical counseling, and, and that's the big fancy term for it. Guess what the biblical term for it is? Discipleship. It's no different than what we're supposed to be doing every day anyway. But you know what the focus is? Nothing else is going to be right unless your relationship with God is right. And if your relationship with God is right, then you can start to figure out what Scripture has to say about the other difficulties in your life. That's the basics behind it. So if you're abiding in Christ and you ask Him to show you, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with the struggle that we had? How do I deal with the loss of the family member? How do I deal with the church member that drives me insane? Are you abiding in Christ? And if you are, what is he saying to you? Because remember what it says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can't have it just, oh, I'm, a, I, I'm abiding. What's his word say? Well, I don't know. Well, that, you're not abiding if you don't know what his word says because this is the only way he talks to you. You're not Peter and you're not Paul and you don't get the vision on the side of the mountain. Sorry. So if you want to know what he has to say to you, it's right here. That abiding is important. And I'm running out of time. So let me touch on one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go. There's always so many questions and not enough time to cover them. Um, We covered question five that was on abiding in Christ. How do you? How does abiding in Christ help a Christian living in a hostile world? That was question seven. How does abiding in Christ help a Christian living in a hostile world? Our view's on the world. Say that again. Our views not set on the world. Okay, it kind of goes back to last week, right? During your trials, what are you focused on? Trial. Okay, are you focused on the trial? Are you focused on the proof of your faith? That was from last week, right? And making sure that you're abiding so that your focus is in the right spot. Does that mean the trial is going to get easier or go away? Nope. Possibly get harder. But the proof of your faith is what the trial is meant to show. So not getting caught up in what's going on. And if you find yourself getting caught up in what's going on, what should you do? Word. Right. From John 15. He says, Abide in me. And if my word abides in you, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. Okay? Now that doesn't mean he's going to take you out of it if you ask him. But if you're asking, what are you wanting me to learn in this? He's going to show you. He will show you what he wants you to learn. Very seldom. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. You walk through his life. You should know the Apostle Paul and what went on with Peter and Paul because we walked through the book of Acts in hunger. So you should have a pretty good idea what and with Paul. How many times did God take him out of the situation? His big one, he prayed three times and God said no. My strength is perfect, is what God said. Uh, he was shipwrecked. He, he was beaten. He was stoned. He God didn't take him out of any of that. But where was his focus? Where did he abide? What did God's word say? And this is hard because we all went the fast fix, the easy solution. The The easy solution for us is to abide when the moments don't make you want to. We need to abide. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Peter. Thank you for John. And thank you for a reminder that when our focus is wrong, it's because we're not abiding in you. And we're we're not working in your word to see what you want for us to learn. Father, in the sorrow, in the difficulty, in the frustration, help us still draw closer to you. Remind us that where our thoughts are, our emotions follow. So if we abide in you and your word abides in us, our emotions will follow. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray for John as he prepares to share with us from Hebrews. I pray that your word will be spoken clearly and that John's faithfulness will will shine through in, in his time standing before us. In Jesus' name, amen.